Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Jeremiah 23, verse 5. An old Jewish prayer begins, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe. To call God King is to acknowledge him as the highest ruler over all. Earthly kings never created the subjects of their rule out of nothing, as has the one creator God. So much higher and more exalted than any earthly sovereign king is God. In the Old Testament, God gave his people kings for their nation, but unlike the rulers of other nations, Israel's kings were to rule in God's name and after his heart and will and word. They were to rule God's people like shepherds tending sheep, like David of old. Few, however, were faithful to their calling. Through a king named Zedekiah, God both condemned the former faithless kings and promised the future righteous branch of the great king David. We see Jesus, God's son, having compassion on people as a shepherd has compassion on the sheep because of Jesus' blood and righteousness. You have a king that cannot fail. He cares for you and will deliver you safely to your eternal home. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, for you have not abandoned your creation, but have sent your Son to be our shepherd and our righteousness. Give us the strength of faith to follow him who calls us by name, that we may dwell in safety as your redeemed people now and forever. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to worship at First Lutheran Church and School. It's great to be with you here today as we gather together as the people of God here in this place to receive all that our Lord has for us this day. A couple, uh, couple announcements. All right. Uh, first of all, if you, uh, if you came in through the side door here, or uh, really through any door, quite frankly, you probably noticed uh, that there is a U.S. flag retirement box located out here uh, in the Breezeway area. That was a Eagle Scout project from one of our Eagle Scouts here at Troop 484. And uh, please feel free to use that. 
All right, so uh, there's a proper way uh, uh, to retire a flag uh, of our country, and so that box is for the public's use, for our use, and um, we're grateful that we can partner with uh, the Boy Scouts and be a part of, uh, of what God is doing in our community. And so as you leave today, just take a look at that flag retirement box. Really nice, really nice job that this young man did. Uh, also today, uh, we celebrate with, uh, really, with great joy, the installation of our new principal, Tim Gabbert. Uh, Tim? There he is. All right. Tim uh, has uh, obviously accepted our call. He is being installed today as our principal, and we joyfully welcome, welcome him into our family here. I ask for you to pray for him and his family as we're getting very close to the start of our school year. We're looking forward to God doing great things this year at First Lutheran School. So his installation is this morning in service, and then uh, right after service, uh, there'll be a, a brief reception uh, for him and his family over in the fellowship hall. Uh, uh, cookies and lemonade and all that good stuff. So please join us uh, and welcome Tim uh, and Vicki uh, to our family right after service in the fellowship hall. Speaking of the fellowship hall, um, starting next week, starting next week, we will be worshiping in the fellowship hall for a few weeks. I believe it's five Sundays, five Sundays, approximately. So let's just say five Sundays, approximately, maybe one less, maybe one more, depending on the time frame. The fellowship, uh, the, the sanctuary here uh, is getting a facelift. Yeah, it's being uh, painted, updated, spruced up, okay? And so because of that, um, there's going to be, the, the ceiling's getting painted and all that good stuff. Some of the pews have to be moved, scaffolding put in uh, so that the painters can get up there. So we're going to be worshiping over in the fellowship hall. So next Sunday, uh, if you come here and try looking through the doors, you'll see a dark building. No church has not been canceled. We're just meeting over in the fellowship hall. All right. So we're going to be meeting in the fellowship hall until further notice. Um, Finally, yesterday was a vacation Bible school. Uh, we did something different this year and it went real well. Uh, we did a one-day VBS on Saturday and it was a really great experience, uh, not only for our volunteers, but also for the children that showed up and were able to partake in that. And a special thank you uh, to all who uh, participated uh, in VBS and volunteered. And a special thank you to Joy Brimmer, who's our VBS coordinator. Um, and it, we can't do it with, without you all. And so it was, a, it was just a wonderful time uh, to see all the kids uh, there and hearing about Jesus Christ. So uh, thank you for your continued support. All right. With that, I can say it's great to be back with you here this Sunday to be home. The last two Sundays I was at Bethel um, covering for Pastor Eichinger there on Sundays, and uh, I'm, I'm happy to be home. I missed y'all, and so it's great, it's great to be back. Let's stand, let's greet each other right now in the peace and the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can do the, the holy high, as it were. God's peace to you all in worship this day.
Let us then confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God in his mercy has given his Son to die for us, and for his sake forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained servant of the word, and by his authority, I therefore forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of all the universe, for you have not abandoned your creation, but have sent your Son to be our shepherd and our righteousness. Give us the strength of faith to follow him who calls us by name, that we may dwell in safety as your redeemed people, now and forever. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, and our eternal King, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. <coughs> now we invite the children for this morning's children's message. What happened to Tessa? What happened to Andrew?
We got one over there. I don't know, Mrs. Bott. <laughs> Here we're coming. Okay, it's on. Hi, how you doing? I'm glad you came up. Are you kind of nervous? I get nervous too a little bit. Uh-oh, this is kind of embarrassing. I, I was going sh to share my snack with you, but I don't have any more to eat. I can't... I'm sorry, but you know what? Oh, did ya? Thank you for being so kind. I didn't, so I, I meant to share it, but I didn't. But you know what? It reminds me of a Bible story that you're going to hear in a little bit. One time, there were all these people that they came to listen to Jesus, and he was talking, and there was a whole big crowd, and it was getting late in the day, and the disciples got worried. They said we got to feed these people. What are we going to do? There's a whole group of them, and we're way out in the country. There's no place to get food. What are we going to do? And Jesus said, well, take care of it. Give them something to eat. And the disciples got so stressed out. They said, there's like 5,000 men out there and women and children and teenagers who eat a whole bunch, and I don't know how we're going to feed all these people. And, and there's a boy, and he has a couple fish and some bread, and they were just so worried. They didn't know what to do. And Jesus said, give, give it to me. And he prayed. And he thanked God. And he said, now take this and go feed all the people. And they were able to feed all the people. They passed out all the food. Some people probably had seconds, like the teenagers probably had seconds. And then they gathered up baskets of food after that. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Because Jesus had, like, broke up the I know, but can you think five, five loaves of bread could feed 5,000 people? No, that's amazing. And the disciples had, that is amazing. But the disciples had forgotten that Jesus can do amazing things. He, they forgot that when you have a problem, you, you shouldn't worry, you shouldn't stress, you should go ask Jesus and he can solve your problem. And we do that too sometimes. We get so frightened and we think, oh, how is this ever going to work out? I don't know how this is going to happen. And we just need to remember to turn to Jesus and he can solve our problems. Because as amazing as that was, do you know a really amazing thing he did for us? Better than feeding a bunch of people? Think about that cross, Lucas. What do you know? What do you know? He died for our sins. He said, I'm going to make a home for you in heaven. You're not good enough because you're sinful. You can't come to heaven, but I'm going to solve the problem. I'm going to live a perfect life, and I'm going to go to the cross, and I'm going to make a home for you in heaven. And that's the most amazing thing of all, isn't it? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, you are amazing for all the things you do for us, but thank you especially that because of you, we have a home in heaven. Amen. Guess what? I really do have some goldfish hidden. Would you like a pack of goldfish? No? Would you like a... Okay, you don't want one for, don't want one for later? Would you like a pack of goldfish?
No, I have a full one. Oh man, well, they're, they're in there for you, Pastor O'Brien. Help yourself, Armin, okay? Okay. <laughs> it's always an adventure. The first lesson is from the uh, book of Jeremiah, the 23rd chapter. From the, the faithless uh, leaders of Israel, God will gather his people and raise up a righteous branch to rule over them. We know that prophecy fulfilled in the coming of Christ. Isaiah chapter 23, uh, Jeremiah chapter 23. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people. You have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set, set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed. Neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. The word of God for the people of God. The second lesson is from the book of Ephesians, the second chapter. Covenant God made with, uh, with uh, his people, with the Jews, was marked by circumcision. St. Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. So here he is talking to Gentiles in, in Ephesus, which was in uh, eastern, uh, I mean, a western Turkey. And he's saying, he says, he says that these Jews are, uh, are called the, the circumcised, and the Jews called the Gentiles the uncircumcised. He's saying that in Christ, the difference between the two has been erased. The command to, to circumcise has been abolished, and now both Jews and Gentiles are now one body in Christ. So as you listen to this lesson, think of the Jews and the Gentiles, everybody being brought together in Christ. It's a good thing for us because most of us are Gentiles. Paul says, therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made by the flesh, made in the flesh by hands. Remember 
that you were at that time separated from God, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The Word of God for the people of God. Please rise for the re reading of the Gospel. of the bread of the angels he sent them food in abundance alleluia 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 in the Gospel of Mark, the sixth chapter. The apostles return from a successful mission, and, and Jesus wants them to rest, but a crowd gathers around them, follows them, and eager to hear Jesus. And when it grew late and they were hungry, Jesus fed them, all of them. Mark chapter 6. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, the disciples came to him and said, 
This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? He said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Transport of delight 
grace, thy goodness filleth never. Good shepherd, may I sing thy praise within thy house forever. Well, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, you may disagree, maybe not, but I'm, uh, I don't think I'm too far off, right, when I say that perhaps, at least in my lifetime, uh, we are an increasingly divided people. In our culture, we are highly divided, almost, and then sadly, in some cases, violently so, over so many things. We're hostile, not only over the normal things like politics and religion, we find ways to divide ourselves over almost everything. Are you pro or anti-vax? Hmm? Pro-police or anti-police? Pro-traditional pronouns or anti-traditional pronouns? Divisions like these make the sports rivalries that we like to engage in kind of like child's play, and honestly, I do miss those times where it was, are you a Tampa Bay Bucks fan or a Miami Dolphins fan? Everybody knows the Colts are the best, though. There it is. Sadly, such divisions find our ways to our homes and even our congregations. Worldly divisions, even defining us, as Christians, separating our relationship we have with each other in Christ. And so today, I would suggest that perhaps it is important to think about what defines us as a believer and how our unity in Jesus Christ transcends everything else. Now, if you struggle with this statement that I just made, um, you're not alone. I struggle with it too. After all, I am a sinful person. I have my own ideas and stances on things. And so I struggle with this idea of my unity in Christ, my baptismal identity superseding every other allegiance I have. But this is a common struggle we have as people. Humanity has not changed much since Genesis 3. I mean, after all, yesterday's news is not much different than the news 2,000 years ago or 6,000 years ago or going back to the beginning recorded time where two brothers had a disagreement and one murdered the other. There's always been tensions amongst the various tribes and nations, languages, ethnic backgrounds, and political ideologies. As much as we would like to hope that at least at the time of Christ or in the early church, those divisions did not exist, perhaps they were even more conflicted than we are today. 
Consider for a moment our text from Ephesians 2. Uh, St. Paul is dealing with divisions in the church at Ephesus. One of the biggest divisions they were dealing with was how should baptized Jews and Gentiles, how should these Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, relate to one another as the church, as the body of Christ? After all, what God had originally intended to be a defining aspect of his people Israel became over time a hostile division between them and their Gentile neighbors. And rather than being a light to the Gentile for all of history, the distinctions that the law demanded became a source of justifiable separation from their neighbors. Here's what I mean. Although St. Paul mentions circumcision as a defining divide between Jew and Gentile, there was a lot more that drove them apart. Take, for example, Herod's temple. There's a wall built around it, a wall built around the temple with this sign on that wall facing outwards. And here's what it read, both in Greek and Latin. Gentiles are forbidden to enter on pain of death. I have a similar sign on my coffee bar. It just says everyone forbidden to drink on pain of death. Pastor Apple only. Now, of course, the Gentiles were no better either, were they? The history of the Jewish people is one of constant persecution from Gentile governments and people. And for sure, during the time that St. Paul was writing here to the church at Ephesus, there was no love lost between the two groups. And this was only one of the divisions that St. Paul was dealing with. But now, Jew and Gentile, baptized into Christ, they were now in the same family. The divisions erased by their new and eternal identity, Jesus Christ. They were united now in him. But sometimes they acted like they were still enemies. St. Paul had to remind them of their true identity. And that who they were in Jesus Christ was stronger than any ethnic bond or affiliation that they had. And overcoming their differences was not possible outside of Jesus. Today, as you may be aware, it's popular to talk about certain catchphrases, things like community and unity. Yet it seems like the fault lines and divisions keep growing and just keep getting wider and wider. Why is that? Because true unity and peace cannot be achieved by our own work or the pursuit of a common interest or idea. Yes, it's true that on the micro level, we can, we can gather together with friends and attain goals and, 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 and do things together that have common interest and, and achieve things. And on the macro level, we establish governments and nations, but this does not create true unity and peace amongst, God, amongst the people on earth. The only thing that will create unity and peace for us and really for the whole world is coffee. No, it's the, it's the cross of Christ. The only thing is the cross of Christ. St. Paul knew this. 
That is why when he wrote to the church at Ephesus, he said, to both Jew and Gentile, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ himself is the cornerstone of this temple in whom the whole structure being joined together now grows in holiness. You and I are a part of that body, that temple in Christ. For in Jesus, that wall that separated us from God has been destroyed along with any dividing walls between us. Having given access to God our Father, we are adopted as sons and daughters of the King, unified to each other in our baptism. Joined together in this wonderful thing called the church. But the church is not just me, is it? Consider this. We tend to focus so much of our talk on the cross as being for our personal salvation. I've heard phrases like, if you were the only person on earth, Jesus would have died for you. And yes, this is very true. This is very true. But while this phrase may be true, it tends to leave out an important fact. He did not die just for me alone. He died for my neighbor, for the person across the block, for the person who cut me off in traffic this morning on US 19, for the person halfway around the world. He has made peace between me and God and all the baptized in Christ, whether I like them or not, whether I choose to spend time with them or not, whether we voted for the same person or not, for I am not just Myself, I am a fellow citizen with all the saints and members of the household of God, as St. Paul wrote. And mercy, may we take our baptismal identity in him seriously. After all, look around. Now is the time, my brothers and sisters, for us to be the church, unified in our baptismal identity in Christ. For that identity in him to be more important than any other affiliation. And for us to joyfully respond to the call to confess Christ in this world. Christ crucified is the only hope we have. He is the only hope for our families, our neighbors, and our world. Only the cross can bridge the divides that we have in culture. Perhaps it is time, empowered by the Spirit, secured in our baptismal identity, to do what the world simply cannot do. What St. Paul reminded the Jew and Gentile about, to live in that baptismal identity. For in Christ we confess a cross that bridged the divides, and our baptismal identity freed in Christ gives us the joy to see past that red MAGA hat or that BLM banner and to love both and to confess Christ to both. It allows us to love people we like and those whom we do not. We have the joy to bring both law and gospel to everyone no matter what pronoun they use. Difficult, yes, uncomfortable, totally, especially for me. But it's all our call in the church to do so. Why? 
because Jesus is still in the business of forgiving sins, restoring lives, giving new identities, and healing divides. And the church, you and me, we are still in the business of proclaiming Christ and him crucified as a cross bridging those divides. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our shepherd king, and the peace that only he can bring through the cross that bridged the divides. Amen. Please rise. Having heard the word of God in, in scripture and in proclaimed, we, we now join together confessing the, the faith that we hold so dear today in the words of the Nicene Creed. People of God, what do you believe? I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven. <coughs> by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Please be seated. This time I would invite Principal Gabbert to come forward for the installation service. Welcome. Beloved in the Lord, Timothy Gabbert has been properly elected and called to serve as principal here at First Lutheran Church and School. This office has been established in love by the church to support the office of the holy ministry and to assist and strengthen Christian fathers and mothers in their God-given responsibility to bring up their children in the nurture and instruction of the Lord. Hear the word of God concerning this office. By the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. 
If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Also, for, to the church at Ephesus, St. Paul writes, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well for you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of our Lord. From St. Matthew, the 20th chapter. Jesus called to them and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great wines exercise authority over them. It shall not be so amongst you. But whoever would be great amongst you must be your servant, and whoever would be first amongst you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to serve, be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And finally, to the church in Colossians, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of our Lord, of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Tim Gabbard, do you believe and confess the canonical books of the Old and New Testaments to be the inspired word of God and the only infallible rule of faith and practice? Yes, I believe and confess the canonical scriptures to be the inspired word of God and the only infallible rule of faith and practice. Do you believe and confess the three ecumenical and the Athanasian creeds as faithful testimonies to the truth of the Holy Scriptures? And do you reject all the errors which they condemn? Yes, I believe and confess the three ecumenical creeds because they are in accord with the Word of God. I also reject all the errors they condemn. Do you confess the unaltered Augsburg Confession to be a true exposition of Holy Scripture and a correct exhibition of the doctrine of the Evangelical Lutheran Church? And do you confess that the apology of the Augsburg Confession, the small and large catechisms of Martin Luther, the small called articles, the treatise on the power and primacy of the Pope, and the formula of Concord, as these are contained in the Book of Concord, are also in agreement with this one scriptural faith? Yes, I make these confessions my own because they are in accord with the Word of God. Do you solemnly promise faithfully to serve God's people in the teaching ministry in accordance with Holy Scripture and with these confessions? Yes, I promise with the help of God. Will you, trusting in God's care, seek to grow in love for those you serve, strive in excellence in your skills, and adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ with a godly life. I will with the help of God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, you have heard the confession and solemn promise of Timothy Gabbard, who has been called to the office of principal at First Lutheran Church and School. 
I now ask you, my brothers and sisters, in the presence of God, will you receive him, show him fitting love and honor, and support him by your gifts and fervent prayer? We will with the help of God. The almighty and merciful God strengthen and assist each and every one of you always. Are you ready and willing to assume the work of this office? I am. Timothy Gabbert, I install you as principal of First Lutheran Church and School in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and most merciful Lord, we thank you for providing faithful men and women in your church to assist and support the office of the Holy Ministry and its work amongst us. Grant your Holy Spirit to Mr. Gabbard and adore him with uh, wisdom and power from on high. Incline both young and old to godliness and obedience and let them so benefit by your instruction and your holy word that they may serve you all their days and finally obtain eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Go in peace and joy, the almighty and most merciful God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and bless you and strengthen you for faithful service in his name, brother. Amen. Thank you. Amen. A little, a little applause here. There we go. <laughs> Let's rise for prayer. Again, the prayers will be spoken in, in a group and the petitions and the response, the pastor will say, Lord, in your mercy, and the congregation responds, hear our prayer. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with your word your holy scriptures, but above all, with your holy word made flesh, your only begotten Son, to be our Savior, our Lord, our King. Receive our praise for the gift of your salvation and life. Lord, in your mercy. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, for you have commanded us to pray. Grant your holy church peace and strength to give witness to your mercy for all people. Bless our nation with faithful leaders who will govern according to your will and righteousness. Sustain all who protect and defend us from harm and danger. Lord, in your mercy. Endow your ministers with compassion and grace to reach the lost and to serve your people faithfully with your word and sacraments. Guard and protect them from the assaults of the devil and all enemies of your word. Lord, in your mercy. Deliver and heal all who are in trouble. Especially we remember before you this day Sandy Jacobsmeyer, 
Thank you for, uh, for the progress that she has made, and we pray for her speedy and complete recovery. Like a shepherd, lead us all into the still waters and green pastures of your grace. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. We pray, blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of all creation. For you have had mercy on us and given your only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. By your own will of mercy for us, Jesus came as our shepherd king and was enthroned on a cross, that we may be raised to reign with him who is now seated at your right hand of power. Grant us faithfully to eat and drink this holy supper, trusting our reigning King Jesus, who is here present to save by his body and blood. Amen. Taught by our Lord and trusting in his promises, we are bold to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the same night he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way also he took the cup after supper. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, All of you drink of it. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Everyone who hungers, come to the table. Taste of God's goodness and mercy. Eat that you may live. The Lord's peace be with you.
Go now in peace, go now in peace. May the love of God surround you everywhere, everywhere you may go. Go now in peace, go now in peace. May the love of God surround you everywhere, everywhere you may go. <laughs>